You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those backward-ass puritanical ideals we have here in the U.S. This is episode 80 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoinberg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts too. So today's episode, American Fuckers, is going to tell you everything you need to know about BDSM. Now, the information you're going to absorb over the next hour is the perfect primer for those dipping their toes into the kinky pool for the first time or for experienced kinksters looking for a little renewed inspiration. So BDSM 101 is something that Ken and I teach in-person classes and workshops about quite a bit. And, you know, I'm going to toot our horns a little bit, but I have to say we're highly sought after because of our approach to the subject matter. We inject play and humor and lightness in everything we do, especially the sexy stuff and even the really dark, dark, serious, intense, sexy stuff. Now, when it comes to BDSM, that's an approach that you don't often see. And that goes quadruple for depictions of kink that you see in the media. Yeah, I'm thinking like 50 Shades of Grey and Law and Order SVU. That's not real. Nearly every stereotype, archetype, and rule you thought applied to BDSM is about to be broken. Ken and I have had a Kink 101 episode planned for a while, but then we remembered the recent BDSM episode that I recorded with Lexi Silver of the Seek, Discover, Create podcast. You know, having somebody else ask the questions, and especially someone as perceptive and insightful as Lexi, added a really cool dynamic to our normal teaching material. So we decided, hey, what better than to cut to the chase and just give you that conversation that I had with Lexi Silver. So the interview you're about to hear today was recorded with Lexi and I for the SDC podcast, and it was originally aired on their feed. So if you've never heard of SDC, Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover your own erotic journey, and it's affiliated with SDC.com. On the podcast, Lexi answers a huge range of important questions about sexuality, relationships, and health with expert guidance from leading health and sexuality professionals. You can catch new episodes of SDC Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sexy Lifestyle Network via Voice America, or you can download it whenever you want, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you find that you're digging all of this kink talk and you kind of like the perspective that Ken and I have, in the show notes, I'm going to leave you links to a few other podcasts that we've done together in the past about BDSM. Specifically, we had an appearance on Dan Savage's Savage Lovecast, also Sex Out Loud with Tristan Terramino, the Sex with Emily podcast, and even Way back, way, way back to 2013 and 14, we recorded a couple of episodes with Sex Nerd Sandra on both Clown Sex, yes, I said Clown Sex, and Golden Showers. So before we get to that, one thing I'm going to remind you of, you probably know the drill if you've been listening for a while and you know what's going on on the internet. If you dig the relationship that we've got together, dear, dear American fucker, make sure that you get on our email list. Yeah, With the internet censorship crackdown on all things sex, you never know. One day, you might pop onto Twitter or Instagram looking for what we have to say about our latest episode or the latest sex news, and we could be gone. You never know if our social media accounts or, God forbid, even our podcast is going to remain intact. So the best way to make sure you never lose touch with us is by getting on our list. You can do that by texting the word Megatron, M-E-G-A-T-R-O-N, to the number 444-999, or you can visit SunnyMegatron.com slash newsletter. Okay, you ready? Strap on in, or strap one on, or maybe get really kinky and strap two on for some DP I don't know where my brain's going. Anyway, here is everything you've ever needed to know about BDSM with me and Lexi Silver. 
So we have an extra kinky show for you today here on Seek, Discover, Create. Joining me is my special guest, Sunny Megatron, the host and executive producer of the Showtime original television series, Sex with Sunny Megatron, and co-host and producer of American Sex Podcast, which you have to give a listen to after this. Sunny is a very prolific sex and relationship writer and sex toy expert. You've probably read her work featured in Cosmo, Playboy, Jezebel, BuzzFeed, CNN, Refinery29, Playgirl, and you've probably seen her videos on YouTube. She's also a three-time nominee for XBiz Sexpert of the Year, and she's also been voted Kinkly Sex Blogging Superhero of 2017, which is quite an apt title, superhero like that. Yeah. <laughs> She's also been named one of the six most savvy sexologists in North America, and we're going to see why during the next hour of this podcast. Welcome, Sunny. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to you know, spread the good word of kink because uh, <laughs> you know, we, most of us have a very different idea or misconception about what it's really all about. So I'm doing my part. I love that. And that's exactly why you're here because I, and I, I really can't think of anyone better to be here right now talking to us about this exact topic. Uh, I have no doubt that you're going to help us debunk a lot of things that people might think about BDSM, but that are not actually accurate. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And I know that you have, you've done lots of uh, podcasts and, and, and workshops about kink and BDSM. So let's start with the very, very basics. Mm-hmm. What does BDSM stand for? Okay, the acronym BDSM stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadomasochism. So basically, it's an acronym that pretty much covers everything kinky you can imagine. However, when people say, you know, I'm either into BDSM or, oh, no, no, that's not for me, the assumption is to be considered a BDSM practitioner, you have to be into every single letter of the acronym. And that's not true. You could just be into the B. You could like to be, you know, have your hands tied behind your back while you're having sexy time, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You're doing BDSM. (laughs) So if I just like to, you know, be blindfolded while my partner is, yeah, it's, and you're right, it doesn't have to be the everything together. It could be any one Mm -hmm. aspect of it. Right. And when you look at it that way, it's, you know, if everybody listening, think about your own sex life. Have you taken a tie and, you know, tied it around as a blindfold? Have you used it to tie someone's hands to the bedpost? Just maybe if it's like one or two kinky nights, it's your anniversary. Guess (laughs) what? You did BDSM, even though you didn't realize you did. Or if you like a little, like a little slap on the ass, hey, you're kinky. Oh, hey, well, I know I'm kinky. <laughs> <laughs> so what do people find appealing about BDSM? Like what's in it for a dominant? What's in it for a submissive? Like what, what's in it for everybody involved? This is very, very subjective. And, you know, again, it's that assumption that we have that, Everyone who is a submissive is into pain and they're masochists and that's what they get out of it. Maybe for some people that's the case. Maybe for some people they don't like pain and they like um, a stern dominant and they like to be punished. Maybe some people, and I'm, I'm talking, I'm going submissive right now. Maybe some people like to serve Uh, their dominance and adore them and worship them. Other people, maybe as submissives, they like to be worshipped. They want to be the treasured pet that's kind of put on a pedestal and taken care of. There's all sorts of different reasons. Um, You know, a lot of them are physiological too. There's been a a number of studies just recently because science doesn't want to give money for the study of sexy time. Um, (laughs) But there's one group especially um, that comes to mind out of Northern University here in Illinois that has done some great work. And some of the things that they're finding is that practicing BDSM, especially um, sadomasochistic behaviors, whether that's physical pain or even mentally sadomasochistic um, gives people something similar to what you'd find the runners get the runners high, the marathon runners. Mm. It actually does something to our brain. So, I mean, I guess you can call it a high, you know, it's not cocaine or anything, Um, but it does make you feel good. Just like doing yoga might or, or working out or whatnot. 
That's very interesting. And I know um, it, myself, I'm, like I said, I'm kinky. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done uh, various things in BDSM. And I know that it does come with that feeling um, that it really it can't really compare to anything else. And that's very interesting. I want to cover that a little bit with you afterward about one of the benefits of BDSM is being that physiological, that mental uh, reaction. Um, yeah. That, and it's that's a great thing. And obviously, you want to get that from any kind of play that you do have with any right. partner that you have. Yeah. It is a very fun and unique feature of BDSM. Mm-hmm. So it's very subjective, um, like you said. Um, and it really depends on the person, what you want to get out of it, and even your mood. Because you might be like kind of in the mood, like one day you want to, like you said, you maybe you just want to... Um, be submissive to your dominant. Maybe you're a switch and you kind of, you, you, you play both sides. Right. So in a typical BDSM relationship, who's the one who's really in control? Who really, because it, it is kind of like that consensual power play, right? Mm-hmm. Well, who's, so, yeah. This is a trick question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know so because if you talk to people that are, you know, 101 level proficient in BDSM, they're going to tell you that the submissive holds all the power. And that's because before you do a scene, and this is stuff we don't see in Fifty Shades of Grey. Those are the things we don't see in the BDSM porns. There's lots of negotiation and conversations around consent that occur. Um, however, yes, the submissive does make the parameters. The submissive does call the shots. They can call the safe word. However, it's everybody's responsibility to keep an eye on what's going on, to make sure that you're staying within the parameters. We walk a dangerous slope when we say it's all on the submissive. It's all their responsibility. Because let's say you're doing a heavy-duty scene and you psychologically hit maybe a PTSD trigger Mm -hmm. and suddenly you become non-communicative. And in your mind, you might want a safe word, but for whatever reason, you can't. Mm -hmm. It's your dominance responsibility to check in with you, to know if they know you well, to be like, you know, my sub has a weird far off look in their eye that they usually don't have. I'm going to check in. Maybe they can't safe word. Maybe there's something else going on. So yes, if you're talking in simple terms, the submissive, you know, calls the shots, but really it is everybody's responsibility. When you get into, um, BDSM theory and advanced concepts, which I know you're like, BDSM theory, what? Like, I just want to fuck. I don't want to, you know, but really, (laughs) there is a lot of thinking that needs to go into it. A lot of people have heard uh, BDSM, safe, sane, and consensual, SSC. It's the cornerstone of BDSM. And there are a lot of people that, you know, when you really sit back and think about it, take issue with safe, sane, and consensual. Because, well, what is safe? I can walk out my door and a piano could drop on me. Really nothing is safe. When you look at the word sane, well, that's real subjective too. How do you really define what's sane? Consensual, that's non-negotiable. We have to have that in any type of play. There's another replacement acronym that's called RAC. It stands for Risk Aware Consensual Kink. And this not only encompasses the fact that you might study up on every technique you're doing. Let's say you're flogging and you're spanking and you're using all this equipment and you take classes and you really learn and you've really negotiated with your submissive and you know exactly what you're doing. You're still taking a risk. There's always something that can go wrong no matter how safe you've tried to be. So I like that definition of BDSM because it shows you, one, there's no guarantee that things are going to go smoothly across the board all the time. And two, there are many situations where it's not one partner's responsibility or the other's. It's really, it's shared responsibility. We're going to talk a lot more about that, too, because I really want to talk about safety and consent and everything like that, and uh, also how to get kinky for the first time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to guide us with that. I'm really, I'm really happy that you're here to talk about this because there's so much 
there's there there is a lot of theory because you're right it's not just about fucking <laughs> that's how we mess it up is when we just go straight to the naked bodies and the hitting yeah yeah no you're absolutely right about that we were talking a little bit about bdsm before and like how it's something different it's very subjective it is it's different mm-hmm. things to everybody so it's you know a lot of people like you had said before think bdsm has to be the whole range of 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 activities related to that so is it really like let let's let's just say for you know the argument's sake, is it all whips and chains and dark dungeons? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, so that that's the one thing I tell people when they're starting to explore BDSM is everything that the media has fed you about BDSM, like get that out of your brain because it's not all, you know, I'm going to wear black and be mean and wear leather and and think about the things that we see in the media, you know, from Fifty Shades of Grey to, to, you know, fetish photo shoots. These people, it's usually submissive woman, dominant man, thin, conventionally attractive, white, leather clad, fancy clothes, very serious And that's not how it is. BDSM can be absolutely anything you want it to be as long as, yes, you do it in the framework of risk-aware, consensual, kink, or SSC, whatever acronym you want to use. You do your negotiation. I engage in something called clown play. I dress as a clown and do BDSM. That is as far from serious leather as you can get. So you can make it whatever you want. You know, one of the things about BDSM, you know, when you're reframing how you think about it, this is play. There's a sexuality educator that I absolutely adore named Midori. Her definition of BDSM is uh, childhood play Mm -hmm. with adult privilege and much better toys. (laughs) You know, AKA cops and robbers with fucking. And that's what it is. If you look at BDSM as play first and foremost, and when I say play, I don't just mean like, oh, play. There is a whole neuroscience dedicated to studying the importance of play. And when we're studying BDSM, like I said, there's not a lot of science out there that actually studies BDSM. So we have to overlay other disciplines onto BDSM to go, oh, maybe this is what's going on. And we all know that play is important. Like when we're, when we're growing up, we, we play to try on different personalities and roles. Like little kittens chase their mom's tail because it teaches them how to, you know, kill mice later. But we also play as adults. I, I'm a tabletop gamer. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh. Some of you, yeah. Some of you might uh, do bowling. You might get together with your friends and play spades. You might do, you know, LARPing, that, you know, role play stuff. We play as adults and it's important. And if you frame your BDSM as another form of play and mental recreation, that's an outlet for your creativity, that doesn't have boundaries, you don't have to fit that archetype of like serious leather, you can be whatever you want, just like when you were a kid playing on the playground, but now you're an adult and you can do fuck things. (laughs) That's what BDSM is. So it's just about having a good time. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, um, I guess you could also frame it as kind of an escape a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a mental vacation. It's escape. It, it helps people recharge. So when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, you know, when you're first learning kink, if you look at it through that lens, it's like, you mean I don't have to be like Christian in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie? Oh, hell no. Please don't. Uh, No, (laughs) unless that's your kink, unless, you know, playing (laughs) that role is your kink, but do it consensually and don't be creepy and abusive. Uh, But that's a whole other story. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I think we're talking, we're thinking the same way about that. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's great. Just like I say, porn is great inspiration, but it shouldn't be a handbook. Like Fifty Shades, if Fifty Shades of Grey got you hot and interested in BDSM, more power to you. I am not going to knock you for that, but mm-hmm. do not use it as a manual as how to do BDSM because it will lead you astray. It is purely <laughs> fantasy, you know, fapping fodder. That is it. 
<laughs> and thank you for saying that because I know I've spoken to a lot of people who think it's kind of like that's how it is and that's not because I in, like you had mentioned too it is you know can see can be considered as a kind of a model for a, an abusive type of relationship it's not how it should be and I like the way you're framing it as play and as kind of an escape and having a, a really good time um, and just using your imagination so that's a great way to put it, especially if you're you're talking to you know your partner about trying something like that for the first time. If you've never engaged in kink before, um, or if that's just something that's of interest to you, uh, yeah. I say kink and BDSM. I, I've been saying that interchangeably. Hope you don't yeah. mind. It's, I, yeah, and they, they pretty much are interchangeable. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be some purists that are like, no, they're dope. they're the same. Just. <laughs> <laughs> A potato, potato, whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what's the best way? Like if, if I'm interested, let's say in BDSM and my partner's never tried it before, what's a good way for me to kind of get them a little bit intrigued or interested or communicate that that's something that I might want? So first of all, my uh, advice is don't go straight to the bedroom. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. If this is your first conversation and you don't know how to bring it up, Thank goodness we live in the day and age of technology because you could be like, I was flipping through my podcast player and came upon this like Seek, Discover, Create podcast and (laughs) they were talking about BDSM and just like you can even kind of play dumb like, hmm, and you know, I never thought about it before. Maybe you've been fap into it every day but you know you can be like that really got me thinking and just use that as an excuse or I was on YouTube or I read an article you know on bustle or whatever BDSM is everywhere so use that as your excuse to bring it up and so then if your partner's like huh you know let's talk some more about this and you actually want to get to the point of I want to try you're not obligated to go, okay, I know I want to be the submissive or I know you want to be there or whatever. You don't know. It's okay not to know. You don't have to decide if you're going to be engaging in uh, some of the physical stuff, which is usually like, you know, um, lights, uh, you know, spanking and paddling. You don't have to buy fancy stuff. Get a hairbrush. Go to the dollar store. Get one of those bamboo back scratchers. It's a great little, you know, <laughs> spanker. Like seriously, go to the dollar store. Get clothesline. You can use that for bondage. It, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need this fancy stuff. And then get together and do um, kind of a... a exploration night where you're in your living room, you have a bowl of popcorn, you're wearing yoga pants, there is no obligation to be sexy whatsoever and be like, (laughs) try flogging me. Let's see how it feels. And just get used to the mechanics of it. Get used to hearing your partner, like let's say you're spanking, you know, you spank each other. Maybe you don't know who wants to be dominant. Even if you know you want to be dominant, you should know how it feels to be spanked. You should experience everything you're going to do to someone else. So play both roles and then say like, okay, when I hit you that hard on a scale from one to 10, you know, what does it feel? Oh, it's about a three, which is like, it kind of hurts. But okay, is that a good hurt to you? Do you like like this type of pain or that type of pain? Or maybe you don't like the pain. Maybe, hey, let's try tying you up. What do you you think of that? Let's get the saran wrap out and wrap it around your arms and (laughs) do that stuff is just fun play without obligation to be sexy, without obligation to have sex to just try it on for size because then what happens is if the first time you do this is in the bedroom, you're trying to be sexy and you're fumbling with the saran wrap. It goes flying in the air. You flog yourself in the <laughs> eye, but you know what you do, You're like, what, what are they, am I hitting them too hard? I don't know. And then you get in your head, like, am I doing the right thing? You've already like played with it before. So you have all that stuff out of the way so you can get to being sexy when you do it the second time. You're right. And it takes the pressure off. Yeah. And, it, and you could just focus on the fun and, 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 and what it actually feels like and your interactions with your partner and making it by taking that, that, that pressure off and getting it out of the bedroom and putting the focus on really the moment, trying out different things like using pervertibles, like wooden spoons or spatulas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just making it all about the 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 intimacy of that that experience where you just get to enjoy each yeah, other yeah yeah and fuck around a little bit and it yeah. also brings about the playfulness and the laughter which i think is really important 
Because when you do BDSM, like it could be your kink that you're like, I really enjoy being very serious and yelling and da, da, da. But that's just one way of many you can be. And if you do, you know, this like kind of playing around, you know, I call it like, I do it with a bunch of people. I actually have classes where I call it circuit training in the dungeon and we have like different stations (laughs) set up and we just like try all the things on each other and giggle and laugh and just to see. Um, it, It gives you permission, A, to fuck up and not let it throw you. Like as a dominant, maybe I'm doing a scene where I have to be really serious and I do end up swinging the flogger the wrong way and I flog myself in the face. It happens. If I'm trying to be real serious, I'm going to be like, fuck, like I just, (laughs) I look like an idiot now. But if I know like I can break character with my submissive and go, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that and crack a joke (laughs) and then go back to jumping into character. It just, it makes things so much easier and so much more fun to have that pressure off of you too. And and having a good time and, and enjoying play and seeing BDSM as play is part of what it's all about. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the way you're framing that. And that's a great way to start to experience BDSM together and for the first time and just, just take the pressure off, just enjoy, have fun. Yeah. yeah. And one, one last thing I have to stress is yeah. it's not all about the sex. Yes. Can I give you my, I'll give you my quick little um, uh, analogy, okay? BDSM is a roller coaster ride, and it's an emotional roller coaster ride. So as the dominant, it is your job. You're the engineer of this roller coaster, and your submissive is your rider. And before you design this roller coaster, you need to get together with them and be like, what do you like? Do you like dark tunnels? Do you like the flashing lights? Do you like the corporate turns? And they go, I like this, not that. So you get what they want. You get the specs. Then it's your job to go off and design that roller coaster. You don't tell them exactly what you're doing. Of course, you do all the things only that are specified and you stay within their parameters, but you put those corkscrew turns and things together in a way where for them, it still feels like a surprise. Hmm. So they've dictated everything they want to happen, but you've put it together in a way where it still feels spontaneous and exciting and even almost not negotiated, even though it very much is negotiated. So, and it's all mental. That's all mental. You could bring physical into it. Maybe your physical affects the mental. However, you don't have to have corporal punishment or pain. You don't even have to have sex in your BDSM. It's all about how the physical and whichever way you choose to use it may affect the mental and also how you just have a mental power play with your partner. That's really what it's all about. That's a fantastic analogy. I think it's the best analogy I've ever heard about BDSM. Yay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're no, welcome. I really, really appreciate that. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we're going to be back real soon. We're going to talk more about this, um, about this amazing roller coaster of BDSM. And uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to get on board. <laughs> It's tax season. You might be jumping with joy at the prospect of getting a big fat refund. Or if you have a home business, good chance you're sweating bullets. And that goes double for folks in the adult industry. Cam performers, phone sex operators, pro doms, clip creators, adult website owners, full service sex workers, burlesque dancers, and even sex bloggers, coaches, and educators. I know the questions floating through your head. Can I write off pasties as a business expense? Wait, is my camming area considered a home office? I make feeder videos, so is the food I eat deductible? And if so, is it a business meal or office supplies? It's hard enough figuring all that out, right? Much less finding an accountant that won't, one, clutch their pearls when you tell them what you do, and two, know sex work well enough to save you the most money. The folks at X-Tax Pros specialize in adult industry clients. They know the ins and outs of sex work from Uncle Sam's perspective, and that's exactly what you need. And they don't just focus on sex work either. X-Tax Pros really knows how to think outside the box to save you cash. So no matter what business you're in and no matter what state you're in, they've got your back. In fact, X-Tax Pros is the only full service tax, bookkeeping, payroll, tax strategy, and asset protection firm specializing in adult clients. Head on over to xtaxpros.com or call 702-253-7499. 
and tell them Ken and Sonny sent you. Hey, psst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for National Public Radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. So before the break, we were talking about the roller coaster of BDSM and how amazing and fun it can be when you think of it as being playful, uh, using your imagination and your creativity, and really just using it as an outlet um, Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. So it's great that we can get kind of outside ourselves a little bit and enjoy it, but there's so many important things to make sure that having your BDSM experience is safe in so many mm-hmm. different ways. So physically and emotionally. And I, I know that, um, you know, the first part of that is establishing consent. So right. let's talk about that. How do you establish consent before and during the experience? It's it's a process and it's something that has to be at the top of your mind all the time. You know, luckily right now, most people who pay attention to anything in the media are getting a really good dose of what the consent conversation means with me too and whatnot, whether you are on the side of the person wanting to do something or the person having something done to them. I think we are, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable speaking out and laying down boundaries and Others are getting more comfortable knowing like, hey, I might even need to be like, is it okay if I I touch you on the shoulder kind of thing? So when we're talking about, you know, consent down to that level, which some people are like, that's too much. It's really not. You need to keep that in mind for BDSM. So before, you know, like you said, it's before, during, and after Before you engage in BDSM, there's a lot of negotiation that has to happen. And people are like, oh, God boring. I just want to do the naked fun stuff, you know, (laughs) and, but this makes the naked fun stuff fun. Yes. So depending on the kind of scene you do, if you do a a really light scene where it's like, I'm just going to bend you over my knee and call you naughty and spank you a little may not require as much negotiation as, you know, I'm going to uh, tackle you and kidnap you and interrogate you and light your toes on fire, you know, which mm-hmm. can be a scene. Uh, <laughs> that's going to take a lot deeper negotiation. But the basics of it is you need to have conversations before. So I have, when it's a new partner, Ken and I, my partner and I, we do the, the podcast together, we did the TV show together, and we teach together. We developed um, a system called Rough BS. So, okay. and that's an acronym. Um, so, this helps when you are meeting a partner, let's say for the first time, and you're not even sure if their play style is compatible to yours. So, you're not, this isn't for negotiating the very fine points, it's for negotiating kind of the basic structure of a scene. So, you go through, and for each acronym, you say on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like this thing? So R is restrained. How much do you like to be restrained? And of course, the dominant can say, how much do you like to restrain people? The O, I'm having obedience. No, no, no. I don't know why I'm having a brain fart right now. (laughs) Um, Owned, owned. There we go. Owned. Owned. (laughs) How much do you like to be owned? There we go. There you go. Just going to roll with it and make fun of myself, even though I'm supposed to be the one who knows what I'm doing right now. Uh, So how much do you like to be owned on a scale from one to 10? Then you, how much do you like to be used or use someone else on a scale from one to 10? G is given away. Like if you're playing with other people, do you like to be given as like a gift or a reward Mm -hmm. or a punishment even? Um, R-O-U-G-H, humiliated. 
which that's that could be a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it will be. Yeah, we, and I'll just give you the short of it. We teach uh, like a three-hour intensive on humiliation. And humiliation is very subjective. And it's not what you think. People think humiliation is like, you're going to hit me where it emotionally hurts, where I'm going to go to that bad place where I got made fun of in grade school. That's not good humiliation. No. You know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about more playful humiliation and tailoring the humiliation to what that person wants. So again, that's a whole nother conversation. But just know if you're like humiliation, no, oh, fuck that, hate it. You probably have a misconception of what it really is. Um, <laughs> so um, the, the B is how much do you like to be beaten? And the S is how much do you like to serve? So that gives you a kind of top line macro level of like, what types of scenes do you like to engage in versus what type of scenes do I like to engage in? And are we compatible? And if so, now I know how much like to make beating you. Uh, do I make that a real cornerstone of my scene or do I make that kind of a side thing? And really I'm going to focus on like the humiliation because that's what you're really into. So once you have that framework down, then you get into using a yes, no, maybe list. And I actually have our, our kinky yes, no, maybe list and this rough BS system on a PDF. And you can put the link in your show notes. It's, if I'm remembering correctly, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, B-D-S-M, Y-N-M. And of course, Lexi, I'll check to make sure that's right. And you can Thanks. have the right one in your show notes if that isn't right. <laughs> Pretty sure it is. Um, so a yes, no, maybe list has now the specific activity. So now we're looking at this on a micro level. Do you like erotic tickling? Do you like butt sex? Do you like clown play? Do you like, so you go through this list of like a hundred different things and you can add your own too, but this is a good like starter. And you say, yes, I'm really into that thing. I dig it. No, that is a hard limit. Red, I'm never going to do it. Uh-uh. And maybe like, huh, I'm a little apprehensive, but maybe under the right circumstances, if we talk about it a little bit more, I might be willing to experiment with this. So you fill out your yes, no, maybe list, which is great to do even if you don't have a partner because it helps you discover who you are as a sexual or kinky person. And then you match it up with your partners and that's another negotiation tool where then you can take the conversation further. So with those two tools, that's a really good framework or foundation for your negotiation conversations. If it's a simple scene, maybe it's one conversation. If it's, I'm going to kidnap you and light you on fire, it may be a series of conversations over a number of days. And then once you negotiate something is it's not like you know a contract with your lawyer it's not set in stone <laughs> you can revoke your consent at any time you could say like hey i want you to light my toes on fire and then you know the person can be holding the flame and be like ah and you can be like no <laughs> i am not feeling it now and if you're the dominant doesn't matter why it doesn't matter oh come on why not but you said a no is a no yes same with the dominant and people don't really think about the dominant when they think about negotiation. They say, well, the submissive calls all the shots. They make all the parameters, right? Well, yes and no, because the dominant also has to do with their enjoying, right? Yes. So I'll give you an example. There's something called brat play where the submissive is a brat. And you're, sm- you're like, oh, I know this. Like, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It may be in a scene as a dominant, I can say, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, yes, mistress, and you just do it. (laughs) Or if you're a brat, you're like, make me, Mm -hmm. make me do it. And it's that playful, like, we're going to fight it out kind of thing. Ultimately, I'm going to win, but you're going (laughs) to, you know, you're, it's, it's a part of our, our dynamic that you're doing that. Uh, That needs to be negotiated because some dominance they hate it. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of submissives don't think about like, I need to negotiate some of my actions with my dominant to make sure that that's okay too. So just keep that in mind when you're negotiating. And this is a really great way too. If you've never, if you're in, kind of a little bit into BDSM, you're just starting to think about it, really exploring all of the different possibilities and things that you might want to do and matching it up too with your partner to make sure that you guys are on the same page before you get started. So you're really having the maximum fun that you could possibly have together. Yeah, absolutely. 
And something that you said that I just want to reiterate, no matter what you say, it's not written in stone. If you're not okay with it, you feel uncomfortable for any reason throughout, you can revoke your consent at any time. No is no. And that's, that's just how it is. And that is a, the, the most important thing to remember that through, throughout, you know, whatever scene it is that you're doing, if you don't feel safe, you don't feel comfortable, whatever the case, no is no. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes to safe words, most of us have heard that, you know, it's a, word, a random word that you call that stops the scene or whatever. Um, those are important. I'm not going to say they're not important. Um, however, there's two things I want to say about safe words. Using a graduated safe word system is oftentimes better than just like banana means stop or whatever. <laughs> so what I mean is red is stop. Stop the scene. Red. Yellow is I'm almost at red. Like back off a little. Like don't go any more intense or I'm going to red. And green is like, oh, I like that. Keep mm-hmm. like, this is great. I am in my zone. So it gives not only the negative feedback, but also the positive feedback as well. And also remember, and we touched on this, you know, earlier, safe words, again, aren't written in stone. If someone is zoning out and or triggered by a PTSD trigger or whatever, they might not be able to safe word. Um, maybe they can't remember their safe word and they're like, no. And it's not a game where it's like, you didn't say purple banana, so I'm going to keep, you know. (laughs) And there are some people that say that, you know, they choose to play without safe words. And at first people are like, that's horrible. But sometimes when people say they choose to play without safe words, it's because they don't need them because when someone says no, they stop. Yeah. If someone says a little harder, a little they listen. So safe words are really important where you're doing like, let's say that brat play, that contested play where you're like, no, no, stop it. It hurts. But really it doesn't. You want them to keep going and it's a role play. Then you need that safe word to know is the no acting or is the no really a no. But if it's kind of a straight kind of plain scene without that role play, you can just use no, stop. Yes. More to the left, to the right. And it's exactly as long as you, there is a point in time where if you notice uh, or your partner intimates to you that they, they don't want to continue, then you, then it's over. The, whatever it is that you're doing is over. So yeah, it doesn't really matter what it is that you're using to, to communicate that to your partner. As long as there is that point uh, that, you know, uh, that you can trust that your partner will stop or you will stop if you notice your partner is not comfortable. Uh So we're going to get back into that. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to make sure uh, your playtime can be as safe and fun as possible. A couple of other little fun tidbits about BDSM right after we get back. So don't go away. I'm Lexi Sylvia. You're listening to SDC Seek, Discover, Create. And I'm just going to remind you that if you are enjoying my show, if you are curious to learn more about sex, health, and relationships, or you just want to find new ways to spice up your sex life, check out sdc.com. You'll get unlimited access to videos, podcasts, and articles from sex and relationship experts like Sunny Megatron, Dr. Jess, Charlie and Ariane Williams, to name a few. And you'll find everything you need to discover your own erotic tribe and connect with them in our forums, communities, and social networks, and explore more at SDC events, parties, and travel destinations. With fresh and exciting content added all the time, you're going to have a ton of resources to start your exploration and continue along your path to self-discovery. Join over 3 million of our SDC members worldwide to seek, discover, and create with us today. Just don't forget, use your promo code 7070 to get two months of free access to SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. We'll be right back with Seek, Discover, Create. Sexy is back, and we've got it going on all the time here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. 
Welcome back to SDC Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver, and I'm here with my guest, sex educator, Sunny Megatron, the host and executive producer of the Showtime original television series, Sex with Sunny Megatron, and co-host and producer of American Sex Podcast. So we were just having a great conversation about keeping it safe and fun uh, for mm. everybody involved by making sure that you're you're setting boundaries, that you're matching up with the things that you want to do, uh, both dominant and submissive. So Sunny just gave us an amazing negotiation tool um, called Rough BS, which stands for Restraint Owned, Used, Given Away, Humiliated, Beaten, and Served. So giving you an idea and your partner an idea of the things that you are and are not comfortable doing. Uh, So we're going to give you a link to that later so you guys can uh, take a look at that too on your own um, and use that in your own uh, BDSM negotiations. But part of also the safety part and fun part of BDSM is making sure that uh, everything is copacetic. So we know that playtime can be dangerous if you really don't know what you're doing. Um, And What's a good way to make sure that people are being safe during play on, you know, physical and emotional levels? Well, you know, like I said before, there's no guarantee 100% that you are always going to be safe. The best you can do is do your due diligence to, you know, know what you're doing technique wise, negotiate like a badass, like do, do all the things right. But even when you do all the things right, sometimes unexpected things happen. You know, it could be a place that you go emotionally. It could be an accident during the scene. There's, there's all sorts of things that can happen. So I think being cognizant of that and knowing that if something goes wrong, that's now something that kicks you back. You know, it kicks you out of the scene. It kicks you out of your, you know, headspace of playing and you're back into you know, not even negotiation, but more of the aftercare or the deconstructing or the, you know, sometimes your aftercare is a, hey, let's figure out what went wrong conversation because you can have in your head, this is going to be some magical scene and all this stuff is going to happen and you can do everything like you planned and you could end up being in a horrible headspace afterwards. Like how the hell did that happen? Um, So just knowing that those things are possibilities and that you need to have a good rapport with your partner and you need to be able to keep those lines of communication open before, during, and after. And when I say after the scene, I don't mean the hour after. It could be weeks, you know, days, weeks, months after a scene that you may need to process with your partner. That's a really good point. And it, because it is an emotional and psychological experience to go through um, pretty much any kind of sex, but especially BDSM, because you are kind of um, also exploring things in a different way than you right. would during regular sex. Um, it's very, that is a great point that, yeah, it could take a longer time to process and that's okay. Yeah. As long as you and your partner are are willing and able to talk about what's going on and to work through it together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit more though about aftercare because this is like a really important, um, this is, this is really a a very important part. What does that consist of exactly? Again, that's something that's super subjective. If you, you know, listen to someone who gives you the basics. They may lead you to believe that aftercare is get a warm, fuzzy blanket, pat your submissive on the head and tell them, you know, oh, you did good and hug them. Maybe for some people, that's great aftercare. Maybe for other people, that will make everything worse. You know, aftercare can, there's a whole spectrum of aftercare and it can look like anything. Um, My husband, Ken, has a partner. Their aftercare isn't to be reassured, talked to. Their aftercare is to be objectified in the form of human furniture. They want to suddenly just be like an ottoman where the dominant rests their feet up on them and they just like zone out and they're in their head and that's the kind of aftercare they want. So, If you're an experienced player and you're used to this negotiation, you're used to the feelings that you have because, you know, all these things happen to your brain chemicals. You know, we talked about like the runner's high and all these things that are happening in your body. And suddenly you have this like physiological chemical crash that happens. 
and you can feel really out of sorts and not predict how you're going to feel. If you've been through this before, talk to your partner like, yes, I need to be objectified. I don't want you to talk to me. I don't want you to cuddle me. That's not my thing. Or yes, I need you to, to cuddle me for like a couple hours and make me some hot soup and check in with me, call me every you know 12 hours for the next week. If you're a new player and you don't know what your aftercare is, leave room for that. Be like, I don't know what I'm going to need. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to communicate it to you because a lot of times you don't realize what aftercare you need until it's like four days later and you've come out of it and you're like, oh, that's why I felt so shitty. That's what I needed. And you might have to go through that hard time the first time to really figure out what suits you. So being aware that aftercare is important, it can be a very profound psychological process. There are some people that not only have mental symptoms, but have physical symptoms. They can be shaking. They could kind of feel like they have the flu because again, all this stuff is happening inside their body. Mm -hmm. So to be cognizant of that and to also be cognizant of the fact that there is no one way to do aftercare. There is no time limit on aftercare. I have a submissive that I play with that, um, you know, he commonly gets like, either it's a, it's good or bad and we can have a great scene and he could just have a bad, like, you know, the next day he was really depressed. And, but think about like, if you were on this emotional high and you're kind of prone to depression and then suddenly you crash, that can throw you into a depressive episode. So know that like, Brains are complicated. Like when we have bruises on our bodies, we can see them yes. and we know what to do. We can say, oh, I need an ice pack or oh, I need to rest a little. And not to. when you have bruises inside mentally, you can't see them and they don't act like how you would think they would act. You know, as people, we're not very emotionally literate. We're not very mental health aware. We're very scared of what happens to us psychologically. So we have to have the, the wherewithal, the emotional intelligence, the whatever it is, the communication skills to actually go, a thing is happening. Let's think about it. Let's process it. Now let's communicate that to my partner. Then they, they can receive it and process it and try to do what's good for me. So aftercare isn't a pat on the head. It's a, it's a thing. It is a thing. So just be aware of that. And the more you're talking about this, and it is a very visceral and, and, and psychological experience to go through um, any BDSM scene, and it could bring up good things and bad things and a mix of things and things you didn't even expect, and uh, it could last for a long time. And it could also be a, a really good way to uh, release emotion and experience things in a different way that you might not... Uh, ever really experience otherwise because mm -hmm. you are kind of taking that step back um, or that step uh, kind of outside yourself to experience things in a different way. So right. can BDSM be considered therapeutic in a way? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say BDSM can be therapy. Therapy is therapy. Yes. Can it be therapeutic? Yes. Absolutely. You know, there are some people, many people, that might work out past traumas uh, with BDSM. There are, you know, one of the things that you hear and like, you know, trigger warning, we're going to talk about some little bit of sexual assault here, but one of the things you commonly hear, studies have shown us one of the most common fantasies for women are rape fantasies. And on the surface, people are like, oh, that's horrible. What is wrong with me? Why would I fantasize about that? But then if you frame it in a therapeutic sense, for some people, and again, there's no across the board one way, mm -hmm. but for some people, let's say you've gone through a traumatic sexual experience. And when you went through that experience, you didn't have control over it. The outcome wasn't your choice. The outcome may have been horrific. You were left with those mental scars, maybe physical scars. Some people find reenacting that where suddenly they're in control. They've laid down the parameters. They can predict the outcome. 
Maybe they can dictate what kind of aftercare and closure that they get from that experience. Some people can find that profoundly therapeutic. And that isn't even in the case of, you know, sexual assault is a very extreme case, but I think a lot of people listening can relate to that because a lot of us are like, oh yeah, I've had those fantasies. Not, I, they scare me. I've been afraid to tell people because I think what's wrong with me. It could also be the same case in, you know, there are men who enjoy small penis humiliation called SPH. And for a lot of people, they're reliving those traumatic teenage years where, and maybe these people aren't, you know, small, you know, compared to the average, but they got teased in the locker room or a girlfriend made fun of them or a rumor got started. So now they're kind of reliving that humiliation in a more healthy container Mm -hmm. that they can control. So Again, not all BDSM, you know, taps into these deep psychological things. And BDSM is not a replacement for actual therapy. However, some people can find it profoundly therapeutic. I think that's an amazing way to put it. It is not a replacement for therapy, but yes, it can it can help you work out a lot of things that in in a in a safe, controlled way uh, that you get to decide the boundaries and the parameters that you want to live in. It. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and also in another respect, it can be. Like I always tell couples if they're getting into something like, you know, don't dive into swinging because you think it's going to save your relationship because that ship is going (laughs) to sink, you know. Um, However, you know, if you want to, you know, maybe your communication skills are okay. BDSM can help you kind of brush up on your communication skills and Mm. solidify them because you, you are forced to communicate with your partner on such like a macro level and forced to communicate really hard things that might be difficult to say. You know how it is with a partner? Like there's something you've been wanting to tell them forever, but it's just, it's in your head. You keep it. You're like, I can't, I can't. And the minute you say it, you're like, that was easy. That's it. Why was I so freaked out about that? Once I just said it, everything's fine. BDSM forces you to continually have those conversations so you can carry the new communication skills that you've learned over into other parts of your relationships. So yeah, in a sense, it can be, you know, maybe preventatively therapeutic in a communication Hmm. sense. That's a really, that, yeah. that's a good insight. Or like even, even honestly with my kids. And I know you're like, well, BDSM and kids. No, but the, the communication technique, the, you know, I actually use safe words with, when we're having an argument and people are heated and we're like, I'm slamming my door and screw you and I hate you and da, da, da. That's when we know to call the scene. And mm-hmm. so we have like a safe word, like this argument is going nowhere red. I'm going to my room for 20 minutes. We're going to step away and then we're going to come back with a clear head and we're going to talk about this in a more emotionally healthy way. I've taken that directly from what I've used in BDSM. You can use those communication tools at work. You can use those communication tools with your friends. Like it, you can use it in every part of your life. So BDSM has so many practical applications outside of just the realm of sexuality. Yeah, I like that. Just don't flog people at work. (laughs) No, no, that is bad. Not that part, just the communication tools. It's a good thing to keep in mind. (laughs) Um, We're getting to the end of our show, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming. How -hmm. can people reach out to you? Okay, so... So much to offer. You have so many great videos and everything. How can people find you? So the main hub is just sunnymegatron.com. You can find, you know, links to my YouTube and my social media and my articles and whatnot. And 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 the TV show as well, Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. The thing that I have been immersing myself in for the last year and a half is American Sex Podcast. So you can get a link to that right on my Sunny Megatron website or just go to americansexpodcast.com. Not only do we talk about all of this stuff, we have, you know, guests, some of the, the finest minds in, in sexuality and kink in the world. Um, we also do fun stuff. Like I like to be a sex toy fairy godmother and I like to give things away. So I'm always like doing giveaways and contests and, and whatnot. And our latest thing is we just 
created a uh, subreddit for American Sex Podcast where everybody can come and whether you want to talk deep, more deeply about subjects on the show or just ask like, hey, I've got a random sex question. Let's talk about it. Um, that's a subreddit that's just called American Sex Podcast on, on reddit.com. And that's amazing. I love your podcast. I love Thank listening you. to you. And you're, you have great guests on. I, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, and there's a there's a whole bunch of them, uh, guys. If you if you've never listened to Sunny's podcast, definitely um, give it a listen. Go back to the first episode. No, go back to like the thirtieth episode. 30th? We're getting we're getting our feet wet the first few episodes. <laughs> Still so much valuable content. I absolutely love it. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, thank you for all of this amazing in, uh, insight into BDSM. We're going to definitely have you back and we're going to get into Yay. some serious nitty gritty the next time. <laughs> and thank you for having me. This has been fun. It was my pleasure. Don't forget to tune in on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network for my next show. Don't forget, you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at sdc.com. Thank you for joining me, Lexi Silver, on SDC Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.